All right, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. I'm beginning a new series today entitled Jesus Is. I believe it's one of the most important studies we're going to have. There's so much we find in Scripture that tells about Jesus, who He is, why He's come for us, and we need to understand these things today. I'm convinced that we live in a culture that is more confused about truth than ever before. And Jesus is all about truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our culture has assaulted truth. Uh, the, the, thing, the, the only truth that many people believe today is there's no absolute truth. That there's nothing that can, that's the same for everyone. Nothing that everyone can count on. Many people today no real, longer really understand who Jesus is, what He came to do, why we need Him, what salvation means. I'm going to go through the next three or four weeks and, and, and hit four major points that tell us who Jesus is and who He is to us. Today I want to begin with this message, Jesus is Savior. Now, some may say, well, Pastor, you know, I've heard that all my life. Everybody knows Jesus is Savior. The question is, do you know why He's Savior? Do you know if He's the only Savior? Do you know what He did to become our Savior? Do you know what I need to do to make Him my Savior? Do we understand these most important principles of God's love and mercy extended to us? Jesus is we're going to walk through some things this next month, and it's going to be amazing. But today I want to begin with Jesus is Savior. Now, there's so many things. I'm going to read from John 1 in a moment, uh, but I want you to see. But there are so many areas, so many titles. In fact, if I were to speak on one title of, what the, of a name or a title the Bible gives Jesus, I could speak from now until next year at this time. There are that many titles. But just to maybe get your arm around it. Maybe just to open up our heart and our faith and our spirit, let me just give you some of the names and the titles that the Bible gives to Jesus. Are you ready? The Bible says that Jesus is the exact image of God, that He's the first and the last, that He's the Alpha and the Omega. The Bible says He is the Word of God. The Bible says He's the last Adam. What does that mean? Well, the first Adam sinned in the garden and took us away from God. And Jesus, the last Adam, took care of everything that Adam blew for us. He's the bright morning star. He's the rising sun. He's the living one. He's the amen. He's the true light. He's the righteous one. He's the line of Judah. He's the king of the Jews. He is the I am. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the gate. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the true vine. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the root and offspring of David. He's the faithful witness. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the capstone. He's the rock. He's the bridegroom. He is the firstborn among many brothers. He's the first fruits. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the heir of all things. He is Lord of lords. He is the head of the church. He is the chief shepherd. He is the prince. He is the rabbi or teacher. Jesus is the Savior. He's a man of sorrows. He's the Passover lamb. He's the horn of salvation. He's the consolation of Israel. He's the deliverer and the redeemer. He's the author and perfecter of salvation. He is our mediator. He's our high priest. He's the Son of Man. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, Son of David, Son of God, Son of Man. As I said, Lord of Lords. He is the coming King. He is the Healer, the Savior, the Baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He is our Shepherd, and He is many other things. Those are some of the titles the Bible gives to Jesus. 
We need to know who Jesus is. Can somebody say amen? We need to walk this understanding now. Let me help you with something as you look in John chapter 1. I understand this question. I understand the context of the question. But we hear often today, and I want to give a clear answer to this. People say, well, Pastor, um, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian, and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that God's our Heavenly Father. But kind of, isn't, aren't the other religions in the world serving the same God? We're just getting there a different way. Isn't it, you know, don't they acknowledge that? Let me just be frank. In Islam, aren't they Allah? Is that not our God? Isn't the same God we, we, we just come through Christ? Well, let me read something to you from John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible is clear that Jesus is God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God. The triune God. One God. And so we we see the unity here. That Jesus is God. Everybody with me? Verse 2. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. He created the universe. He is God. He and the Father are one. Everybody with me right now? I'm answering a question. Turn over your Bible to John 14. This isn't the message yet. I'm just introducing him right now. All right? I want you to go to John chapter 14 with me. Uh, let's go to verse number 18. John, I'm sorry. John 14. And uh, I want to give you... Let me find this. Uh, John 14... And verse number 6, John 14, 6, pardon me. I'll read verse 6 again in a moment, but let me read verse 6 and 7 together. I'm saying, is there just, does everybody worshiping the same God and Jesus is our way to get there? Is it all the same? Verse 6 of John 14, Jesus answered, I am one of the ways. What does your Bible say? Is there a difference in A and the? Of course there is. I am the way. And then what else did he say? I am the truth. And the life. And then he makes his clear bold statement. No one comes to the Father. How? Except through me. Look at verse 7. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Do you understand what we're reading? If I do not know Jesus, I do not know God. If I do not come to God through Jesus, I never get to God. If I do not honor Jesus as God, I don't know God. All right, turn over one more chapter, 15. And I want you to see, he makes it very clear. Verse 23 of John 15. He who hates me hates my father as well. Any religion that hates Jesus, that hates the cross, that rejects the Bible, that refuses him as Lord, hates the one true God. You cannot say, I love God and hate Jesus. You cannot find God without Jesus. You cannot say, I'm a different uh, religion. I'm a different race. I live in a different geography. No matter what the reason is, there is one way to the Father through Jesus Christ. You cannot hate His Son and know who He is. You cannot cut a Christian's head off and say you serve the true God. You cannot persecute the followers of Christ and say, I know who their God is. The only way to come to God, and there's only one God, is through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is God. If I reject Jesus, I reject God. Is everybody with me today? I want to be very clear about that. That's what Scripture says. Now, what I I want to say, and, and someone has to make clear statements in this world today. 
I'm willing to do that. Someone has to be clear, straight, and firm. Someone has to be willing to tell the truth. I'm willing to do that for you today. I want you to understand something, though. Someone might say, well, you know, that's a little narrow. I, I, I was born in Afghanistan, and you're born in America. And it's easy for you to believe in Jesus and not so easy for me. I want you to listen to me very clearly today. I want you and I to realize the amazing grace that rests on us today. I want you to understand and be thankful again for the favor of God that has found your life. Because you know what? Christianity is not an American thing. Christianity was not developed in America. Christianity is not from America. Christianity is not to America. It's to the world. For God so loved the world. And you and I need to understand something. That God loves everybody on this planet equally. And there is no nation or flag or skin color or ethnicity or race or religion or or, or language that is loved any more by God than another one. And you and I, sitting in this room today, having heard the gospel, should be humbled and grateful and thankful and awe-inspired that we have the privilege of knowing who Jesus is. We did not earn it. It was not our property. It was not something that we have that no one else has. We have the gospel, and it is our responsibility to share this gift. Is everybody listening to me today? I want to stand in front of you today as your pastor who's been saved more than 40 years and tell you that to this day I am amazed at the grace of God in my life. I do not deserve what I have. I am humbled to receive it. I am fearful to declare it that I will clearly communicate to you and everyone else how great the grace of God is. For the Bible says, and I agree with Paul, I am who I am by the grace of God. No one earns this salvation. I wasn't worthy of it. I will never repay it. I am not preaching to buy it back. I was saved by grace. I am not serving God to earn my way. I was saved by grace. When I was a sinner, lost, miserable, backslidden, prodigal son, he walked into the hellhole that was my life and pulled me out and saved me. And I will live the rest of my life in gratitude to God. I am not earning my salvation. I am just doing what he has asked me to do. The grace of God is why I'm here today. The grace of God is why we're here today. Do you realize the good news of Jesus Christ? To tell someone that He loves them, that He's Savior, that, that grace is there and mercy is there. Do you realize that is the highest formation of human language that will ever take place? Do you know that you may not have a Ph.D.? Do you know that you may not be able to read the highest words of vocabulary in the languages of the world? But if you can use the formation of language in your brain and release air out of your lungs and your vocal cords form the word to tell someone about Jesus, you have uttered the highest words that any human being on this planet will ever be able to speak. And God gives us that privilege. So today, as I share with you that Jesus is Savior, I want you to know that as a Christian, if you're a Christian and He's your Savior, today we we need to allow the Spirit of God to make us all inspired again at the gift of salvation. Can somebody say amen? And we need to be reminded that it's not ours to keep. He's ours to share. Today, maybe you're here and you're saying, well, Pastor... You know, I'm a Christian. I 
I go to church. No, no. No, no. Man, I love this church. I love those of you that worship here. I love my church family. I'm honored to be your pastor. It's a great responsibility that I take with the utmost sincerity in my life. It's the highest calling in my life. First, my calling is to God, then my family, then to this church. And I want you to understand that I love you and I'm glad you come, but I want you to hear me very clearly. Walking in those doors doesn't make you a Christian. I want you to hear that very clearly from me. Do you know that walking in those doors doesn't make you a Christian? You know, you cannot get to heaven off my faith. You understand that? Some of you ate at McDonald's this week, and when you walked in, you didn't turn into a hamburger. And when you walk in here, you don't turn into a Christian. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I was born in America, wasn't I? Wrong. Nobody's born a Christian. I had somebody say to me recently here in North Alabama, I said, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? They said, well, I guess so. My grandfather was a preacher. <laughs> Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. No one's born a Christian. No one's entitled to be a Christian. We're born again to be a Christian by putting our faith in Christ. And I want to, I want to walk through some very important things with you here today so that, that we understand this amazing gift that, that Christ is to us. That we, we are reminded again that Jesus is Savior. And there is no one like Him. There, there is no gift this great that, that could compare to that. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. Romans the 5th chapter. Turn there, please. How many are thankful for the truth that Jesus is Savior? You can say that today. Why is He Savior? Why do we have this plan of salvation? Why do we have the cross? Why do, do, does, do we read in John 14, 6 that Jesus would say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Do, do I, someone may even say, uh, you know, I heard a smart aleck say one time, uh, you can quote me, that somebody said, are you lost? They said, do you need to be saved? And he said, I didn't know I was lost. Well, that's his problem, not God's problem. Yeah, it's kind of a smart aleck answer. Isn't it? You want to be saved? Well, I didn't know I was lost. Ha ha. Well, that's the saddest person on the planet. I remember David Wilkerson, the great prophetic preacher uh, of last generation. And, and he, I remember a great sermon he preached one time in a crusade. He said, the only person that God can't save is a satisfied sinner. Somebody who's blind and thinks they're okay and don't need to be saved. That person's in trouble. So see, let's begin at the beginning. And let's talk about what we need to understand here today. Let's not take anything for granted. Again, if you're a born-again believer and love Jesus, you're a fully devoted follower of Christ, your, your soul ought to be on fire today with gratitude and thanksgiving. If you're not sure that you know Him, you don't need to leave this place unsure about the most important thing of your life. You know, we, we had a friend. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just being as clear and frank and, and, and plain as I can be today. We had a guy one time, I remember he told us, and we, 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 we laughed, but we didn't do it mean. We talked him through it. This guy told us one time, we was talking to some guys, and he said, you know, I'm, I, when I first came to Calvary, I was about half saved. I said, really? You know, that's about like being half pregnant. You are or you are not. I mean, the little mark is there on the thing or it's not. You understand what I'm saying? You, you can't be half pregnant. You can't be half saved. So evidently there's some confusion about some of these things. We need to understand. What does it mean to be saved? Well, why do I need a Savior? Who, who, why do we call Jesus that? It's, it's critical. It's one of the most important things we'll ever know. So let's begin at the beginning. Why do we need a Savior? Well, we need a Savior because every one of us has a problem. And that problem's called sin. Sin. 
I've asked you to turn to Romans 5. Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, who was that? Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. So, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. So what we have in the human race today is a fundamental problem that we've sinned. And there's no one who can escape that. There are people, and the best the world does for us, see, when it comes to the sin issue, this is what our, the culture and natural man does. See, there's no natural answer for man's sin. What we try to do is just group people together with the same sin and tell each other it's okay. We just try to appease the conscience. We offer no hope. We offer no forgiveness. We, uh, the, the world offers no hope or forgiveness. The world offers no solution. The world offers no freedom. It just says, well, everybody does it. And that's how you deal with it. You're, you're not going to stop it. Just find enough people who will agree with you. It's okay. Listen, man, have you looked around in our culture lately? You can find somebody to agree with anything now. According to our values, nothing's wrong if somebody else tells you it's okay. Why do we keep looking for something if it's okay? We have a fundamental issue. We've all sinned. The Bible says through Adam that we receive what's called a sin nature. Left to ourselves. listen to me, it's natural for us to sin. We've got an issue. We've got a problem. So, so if we all have a problem of sin, there's only one solution. That's Jesus. See, Salvation through Jesus Christ solves man's greatest problem. Listen to me. Our greatest problem is sin. Not the sinful acts, but the consequence. As bad as sinful acts are, listen to me, we need to see this. It is the effect of that sin that's the greatest problem. Do you know what our greatest problem is? That sin separates us from God. That's our problem. Sin separates man from from God. We were created by God in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, to walk with Him, to know Him. There was no sin, no crime, no heartache, no sickness, no tears, no pain. We were created to walk with God in a perfect place. But something happened. Adam and Eve sinned and they were separated from the presence of a holy God. And so that sin nature has been inherited by all of us. Let me illustrate. I know that they're not everybody, but some people here, your kids are perfect. Now, especially I know some of you have perfect grandchildren, right? I mean, they're perfect. They're somehow a little angel came down from heaven, and they're your grandchild. I get that. I understand that. Okay? But I want you to watch this. Let's be honest for a minute. We have a sin nature. It separated us from God. That's our problem. What, what have I told you? What have we learned? See, that separation. Where does Satan work? In the gap. Where does God work? In the connection. And that sin has separated us from everything we need and left us vulnerable to everything that's going to destroy us. Do you think you're doing your own thing? That was your idea? That was devil's idea a long time ago. Do you think you're big, bad, and proud and don't need God? You just believed a lie. That separation has put you in a place for the devil to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in your life. We're all of a sin nature. Let's go back to your perfect grandchildren for a minute. Did you ever have to gather your two-year-olds together and say, Now look, let me, let me explain to you how this works. The other kids are coming over today. Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to grab the toys out of their hand and scream mine. You're supposed to throw a fit and roll on the floor 
if you don't get your way. Are you, are you following? Okay. And if you get caught, you just look them in the face and lie. Now, do you understand how it works? Now, did any of you ever to tell your kids that? How did they figure that out? I mean, how does this kid, he's two years old. He, he took his toy and hit his little sister on the head. She's right there behind him crying. He's got the toy. And you say, did you hit your sister? He goes, no. Right in your face. You know, you, you go and tell the kids to leave that stuff alone. You walk in and her hand is in the cookie jar. In the jar. And you're looking at her. And you say, did you get any cookies? No. What? We have a sin nature. You don't have to teach people to sin. Come on, be honest. You, have, have you ever had to teach a kid to lie? Look, you're being way too honest. Let me explain lying to you before you go to school. Huh? Well, where does that stuff come from? Now, children, that's why they have parents. We help them. We guide them. We train them. We teach them what's right and wrong. But inside of every one of us is a sin nature that if we don't find a solution to, it's not going to be stealing cookies and telling a lie. It goes on and on from there. So we have a problem. Get this. And the major problem is not just the sinful deed. It's that it separated me from God. The only solution to that. Is Jesus Christ. You see, God did not create sin. God created a perfect place, the Garden of Eden on this earth. He created Adam and Eve in it. He created a perfect heaven. But at the high point of all of His creation, the intelligent beings, man and angels, He gave them a free will. Lucifer was an archangel. Beautiful, amazing, wise. As you read the passages in Isaiah and Ezekiel, and by the way, we're going to go through these things fundamentally. I'm beginning a new series on Wednesday in, in September called Fundamentals. We're, we're going to go back to school. And this is what I've said. If you've never studied the Bible, this is where you ought to start. If you know everything about the Bible, this is where you need to get refreshed. Those Wednesday nights. And we'll go through in detail. But if we read Isaiah and Ezekiel, listen, it says that Lucifer was this beautiful archangel covered with all the gemstones, diamonds that you can imagine. His apparent appearance was stunning. God created him, but he had a free will. One of the passages gives us some insight. It uses this term that says, in the days that you were created, God made the tablets and pipes, that's King James language, in your being. In other words, it was as if music originated as God put it in Lucifer. Many theologians feel that he was the, the, the starting point of music. Some feel that Lucifer, this archangel, literally was the leader of worship in heaven. But the Bible says something strange happened to this beautiful, wise, musical, worshiping angel. For some reason... He began to look at the God that he worshipped and that created him and made him all that he was. And as he kept, I, I, I guess we could say it in our terminology, he kept looking at the mirror more than he kept looking at God. And the Bible says, in the heart of this created being, an angel in heaven with a free will, that he began to say, you know, I want to be the one they worship. I want to be like the Most High. I want to sit on his throne. I want to be the one. I want to be the man. And his heart 
took everything great that God had given him and corrupted it. And not only did he sin against God, he, he led rebellion with some of the angels. But the good news was God was never threatened in heaven. They were cast out of his presence and God always remained supreme. But now this Lucifer, who was this beautiful angel, had become Satan, the most horrible demon influence in existence. And he was cast from heaven to this earth. And now he began to look for anything created in the image and likeness of God. And he finds Adam and Eve in this perfect place of creation. And he goes to them and said, did God really say, did God really say, God's holding out on you. He knows if you eat of that, you're going to be like him. And Eve says, now that I listen to you and think about it, I'll take a bite. Here comes Adam. Honey, look, something new. I'll eat some too. And Romans 5, 12 says that through Adam's sin, we've all become sinners. There's a sin nature in us. And the problem is, watch me, is that this, this, this sin that found us in perfect relationship with God has separated us from Him. Now, now let's look at this. When, when, when we look at any of us, you all just like me, at George Sawyer, let's, let's put me in the middle. And, and in my walk, there's room for me to go either direction. Right? I could be better. Believe me. I wish I were perfect. So, so, so from where I stand today, I could be better. I could move that way. Or I could move this way and I could be worse. So from where I stand, where you stand, where we all stand, there's room to go either direction. Are we there? But when you talk about the living God, who is holy and true and righteous and just and perfect, if He changes... Because he is perfect, there is only one way for him to change. And that is less than perfect. And so although God is merciful, kind, loving, genuine, compassionate, patient, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were removed and separated because God could not bring the sin into the presence that he lives in. So now we have a problem. A holy, just, and righteous God who loves us and created us to be in fellowship with Him. But our sin has separated us from Him. He's there. We're here. He can't change. Or He's not God. Why did He just say, well, Adam and Eve, you're a cute couple. And, well, you know, let's throw today into the thing. We would even say, well, you know, who knows what's right and wrong? I mean, I did say not to do it, but that snake, it's not their fault. Maybe the pollen was blowing through the garden that day, and they were disoriented, and they had had a bad day. And who knows? Let's just forget it. But God's not God then. So now we're separated. And, 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 And we can't bridge this thing. Because... If I did works for the rest of my life, would anything you and I could do be the same as the cross of Jesus? If if, if I could make a billion dollars and give it to God, could I buy my way into heaven? If there's any way to get to God except through the cross of Jesus Christ, then the cross was the biggest waste in the history of this world. If there's any way for a man to earn or work or pay or buy his way back into God's presence and favor, if there's any way for me to get there in my own ability, then Jesus Christ was the most wasted gift in the history of the human race. The truth is you can't get there from where we are. You can't get there. We're stuck. We've sinned. We've blown it. You can make excuses. You can form your groups. You can talk about everybody else does it. 
But the bottom line is, we're separated. We've all sinned. Romans 3.23, turn there with me. Just back a couple of pages in your Bible. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man, there we are. For all have sinned. Everybody with me? Just stay with me. Don't leave right now. It's not a good time to leave, I can promise you. Keep your hearing aid on. Don't, don't, don't phase out. Don't go to sleep right now. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But look at verse 24. And are justified freely by His grace through redemption that came by Jesus, Christ Jesus. So left to ourselves, we're in a position with no solution. But then we read that because of Jesus Christ, there's hope for us. There's an answer for us. That's who He is. He's Savior. He came because we needed Him. We read a moment ago that the, in, in Romans 5 that because we've all sinned, we've all died. What does that mean? Ephesians 2 verse 8 says we are dead in our... Or Ephesians 2 2. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. Spiritual death means to be simply separated from God. I'm spiritually dead. I'm mentally here and physically here, but spiritually I'm dead. Do you realize that? Do you know that until Christ comes into our life, that spiritually, that part of our life is just dead? There's nothing you can do about it. There's no solution for it. A big void's in your life. And no matter what you try to fit in that void, it will never work until Christ comes. So what do we do? We've got an issue, man. We, we, we've got to find a solution. What, what is the solution for us? Well, let's turn to John chapter 3, maybe one of the most well-beloved scriptures in, in the Bible, John 3.16, turn there with me and think about it again. So we've all sinned. We're separated from God. There's nothing we can do to get from where we are to where He is. I have some great news for us. Although we can't get from where we are to where He is, He came to where we are. When we could not get to Him, He came to us. Come on, anybody thankful in this room today that He came to us when we could not get to Him? Why did He do that? He's God. He doesn't have to do something for us. He's God. He's in heaven. We messed earth up. Left to ourselves, we'd kill all of ourselves. Blow ourselves up. We'd take care of the problem if you just give us enough time down here. But something was there. Greater than we can imagine. Because John 3.16 says, For God. So loved, my, my, so loved, what? The world, not the planet, the people. A lot of people want to save the planet now. I'm good with that, but I'm worried about the people on the planet. That's what I'm concerned about right now. I mean, I'm good for green and saving and blah, 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 blah. But I'm worried about the people living on the planet. I'm concerned about those people. For God so loved the world. Do you get that? That God so loved our stinking mess. That God so loved us in our rebellion. God so loved us in our separation. God so loved us in all the effects of our sins that, that are the consequence of being separated from God. That God who is perfect loved us who were imperfect so much that He said, I'm going to do something about this. And what did He do? He gave His one and only Son. Why? That whoever believes in Him, whoever I'm a whoever, any whoever's in here, anybody, any whoever believes in Him, shall not perish. He breaks the power of spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, and says, you can have life through my son Jesus. But how did that happen? That's good news. 
Look at verse 17. We always stop there. Let's get this one too. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Thank you, Jesus. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He didn't come to get us. People always say, God's out to get me. Buddy, God's not out to get you. If God was out to get you, you'd be gotten by now. You're not that hard to find. You're not that fast. You're not that smart. You're not that bad. You're not that tough. You're not that quick. You're not that lucky. If God had to, was going to get you, you'd be gotten a long time ago. He's a real good shot. God's not out to get you. God didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to love you. He came to find you in your mess. And the consequences of all those things that cause us to be away from Him. And the consequence in our life when He's not there. For God so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son. He loved you. He sent Jesus. The only answer. I want you to turn with me, please, and look in your Bible. Let's go back again. And, and, and I want to look here uh, at John chapter 1 again. Turn there with me. See, so, 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 Pastor, what are we doing? Let me, let me move quickly through this. So here we are. We've sinned. Some people have a hard time admitting that. Isn't that strange? I've asked somebody, have you ever done anything wrong? Well, uh, uh, man, we're so no fault, aren't we? It's everybody else's fault, isn't it? Everybody else's fault. Man, can you see people lined up in eternity and God says, I'm sorry, you're not coming in. <gasps> what do you mean? I'm entitled to come in. It's my right to come in. Oh, is that right? Well, I should come in. Why? Because he did that and she did that and he did that and she did that and she did that and he did that. Man, when you stand in front of the living God, you're not going to pull that stuff. <laughs> you're not going there. You're not going there. And God in his mercy gives you a moment right now. To get this right. And not stand there when it's too late and realize, what have I done? And so, what we see is that we're separated. And here we are. And we desperately need to be there. And, and we have a gap. And what's going to happen? And God so loved us that He sent His Son. So when I couldn't move there, God came here. That's why Jesus is Savior. But watch this. How did He do that? John chapter 1, we read earlier today that... He's the creator, that He's God, that He did all these things. And then in verse 14 in John 1, we read the word, Christ, God, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Grace and truth. Loved you too much to lie to you, but has enough grace to find you right in the middle of your separation. Man, what a God. He's not going to look at you while you're dying and going to hell and, and, and insult you and say, it's okay. He's not going to pacify you while you're headed to eternity on a fast train and say, it's okay. There's other people on board with you. He's going to love you enough to say, if you keep doing that, you're going to wreck your life. But here's the grace of God and what you can do, I'll do it for you. He became flesh. How did that happen? Jesus, who is God, laid every privilege of being God down, kept His nature, was born of a virgin, put on our humanity, walked on this earth for 33 years. Listen to me. Limited in His humanity, just like you and I. Why did He have to come? Listen to this. The miracle of the virgin birth, that one who was fully man and fully God at the same time, was the only one who could be a Savior that we're talking about today. For He put on our flesh and walked into the arena where Satan had deceived man and put sin on this planet. So someone had to come fight for us like 
us. And so for 33 years, he was tempted in every sin, just like you and I. Now, that struggles. Some people struggle with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Get this. He faced what you face. Listen to me. Jesus, in his flesh, felt the pull to sin. So said, no, no, I don't like to think about that. Well, that's what it was like. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to the temptation. How many are thankful for that today? See, it's, listen, I'm a Christian. Am I ever tempted? Oh, yes. These guys had got their driver's license online. And, and think every lane on the highway is theirs. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and pull over on you and then give you the one finger salute. I'm not going to be, you know what I'm talking about. They take your lane to tell you you're number one. Am I ever tempted? The flesh of George Sawyer wants to rise up. You understand what I'm talking about? So we, we, we can handle this. But that's not going to be answer for anything, see. But he walked through every temptation. Listen to me. His own family at one time thought he did what he did because he was demon-possessed. You don't think he knows what it's like to be misunderstood? They nailed him on the cross and stripped his clothes off. He may have hung naked in front of all the world. And you don't think he knows what it's like to be sexually abused? You don't think he knows what it's like to be misunderstood? He grew up in a little town. You know what little towns are like. And his mother told everybody, oh, no, no, I didn't get pregnant before I got married. God did this. Oh, yeah, we believe that, Mary. Don't look at me crazy. He knew what it was like to go to school every day. And everybody say, that's the kid. He knew what it was like to have a stepdad but not a dad. He knew what it was like to be lied about, laughed about, rejected. Closest friends leaving, arrest him in the garden while he's praying, and Judas kiss him on the face. He's been tempted in every way you've been tempted. You don't think he was a strong, handsome, young preacher, raising the dead, walking on water, feeding the multitudes, healing the sick, and some little Israeli girl didn't think, mm-hmm. Don't look at me like that. You don't think anybody ever said, Jesus. Want to have some dinner, baby? You don't think that? You don't think that ever happened? You think he lived in a bubble? You don't think that stuff happened in his life? Every bit of it happened. Times a hundred. Because the devil knew, I better stop this guy. Times a hundred. But he put on our flesh, walked in our shoes, faced what we faced, looked the devil in the face and said, you're not going to get me. I have an assignment. I'm the Savior. I have to get to the cross and I have to get there holy and I have to face what they faced but not do what they did. And when I go to die on that cross, then I go having done my job as a man. Listen to me. But when I die on the cross, it's not just a man dying. Because if a man dies for you, that's good, but it won't save you. But when God puts on your cross and dies in your place and sheds blood that is holy, then God died for you. That's why He's the Savior and no one else on this earth can claim that title. 
In fact, if you study the major religions of the world, there is no one who claims to have been born of a virgin. There is no one who claims to have died and been raised from the dead three days later. Because there is no other one who is God and man. He is Savior, Savior, Savior. And when I had sinned and could not get back to my holy God, Jesus came and paid the price for my sin. And the holy God could now love me again. And there was nothing between us. He's the Savior of the world. There is no one like Him. Fully God. Fully man, loving us beyond anything that we can imagine. That's why, go with me to Acts chapter 4, that we need to clearly understand and not be confused and understand why. Did I need a Savior? Yes. Do I need a Savior? Yes. Is there any other Savior? No. Can I cut and paste my own way to heaven? No. Someone might say, Acts 4, you're turning there with me. Well, that seems a little exclusive to me. Listen to me. If you had to pay for it, it's narrow. But if he paid for it, it's free and no one is left out of this. Acts 4, verse 12. What do we see? What do we see? Salvation is found and no one else. My, my. You see that? Acts 4, 12. Salvation is found and no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Come on, you need, let's read it one more time. You, you have to see this. This is clear. We, we can't be confused about this. It's too important. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind. By which we must be saved. We've all sinned. It has separated us from our holy God. And in that place of separation, Satan has attacked us and assaulted us, lied to us, deceived us, confused us. Oh, you, you, you might say, well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go to church because and, 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 there's a bunch of hypocrites at church. Well, listen to me. If you stay home and... While a hypocrite goes to church, and the hypocrite's closer to God than you are. <laughs> I'm not going to church. I'm not going to be a Christian because somebody did so and so. Let me tell you something. There are hypocrites in every group on this planet. There, there are liars in every organization on this planet. There are counterfeits and fakes in every organization on this planet. Pastor, are you saying there might be hypocrites in this room today? Probably there are. But you could get saved today before you go home. Quit being one. But this is what I know. I was lost. I was bound. I was going to hell. I had no hope in myself. I was trapped in my sin. And Jesus died on the cross for me. And came all the way to where I was and saved me. And gave me another chance. And I refuse to let a hypocrite, a liar, a fake, a con artist, anyone get in my way. Because I love him too much for some man to make me turn around. And I refuse to back up and back off from saying he's the only way to God. Because if he did it for me, what kind of person would I be to keep it? to myself so we tell the truth he's grace and he's truth and he bridges the gap and there's no other name and there's no one else and there's no other way and he didn't come to condemn us he came to save us he came to love us he came to set us free
and rescue us. I want you to stand with me right now. And I'm going to ask you, unless it's an emergency, stay here. Don't disrupt someone uh, as we pray. We're early and our musicians are coming. And I want to pray with you right now. Let me share this with you before we pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible says this in verse 21. Watch this. He, Christ, that knew no sin, listen to me, became the sin offering, paid our way back, settled the score against us. He that knew no sin became the sin offering so that now we're right back where God wanted us. Listen to me. The Bible says this about you as a Christian. Think about all the things you're glad no one else knows about. Think about all the bad mistakes you've made and what you used to be. And the Bible says because of Christ, I'm not only forgiven, He says that we're the righteousness of God. Righteousness means we're in right standing. Listen to me. God looks at you like you never sinned. Oh my goodness. Who can do that for us? Who's able to do that? Our God is. So today... I want to give you the greatest opportunity of your whole life. If you're a Christian today, I didn't say a churchgoer. I didn't say a person owns a Bible. I'm talking about a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Then right now your heart should be exploding with gratitude to God. Thankfulness to God. Praise to God. If you're not completely sure that you're a born-again believer, today, today is the best day you've ever had in your life. It's the greatest day of your life. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to forgive us. And it doesn't stop there because verse 17 in that 2 Corinthians 5 where verse 21 says he became our sin offering. Verse 17 says we're new creations. The old things are done. There's a new heart and life in us. So today, maybe you have never asked Christ in your life. Maybe you never understood why he saved you. And why you so desperately need that. And then let me say this. And this to me is beyond my comprehension. Maybe you're here today and you once were a believer. You walked with Jesus. And you've turned your back and walked off. Turned your back on Him. Think of that. That He would give you another chance. What is it? Think of this. I really don't know. I have to confess. That I could give one of my children to die to save somebody I don't even know. I don't know if I could do that. I would rather give myself than them. But to give your own child and they would die so someone else could live, what kind of love is that? But then, think of this, that you took that gift, that you let somebody die for you like we we accepted Christ, and then you threw it back in its face? said, I don't care. You mean, you mean I let my child die for you and you just blew it off and wasted their life and now you come back to me and say, I think I'll try that again. Really? We don't do that. We're not capable of that. But Jesus is. Can you imagine His mercy? That we would throw the blood of Jesus in the face of God. Hebrews 10 says we trample it under our feet like trash. And then He says... I'll give you another chance. I know you did that, but I love you too much. Oh, God, 
What a God. What mercy. What grace. Everything that's keeping you from Jesus today will hurt you someday. Are you listening to me? Everything that would keep you from answering this altar call, someday you're going to hate it with everything inside of you. The thing you think you can't give up to get to God today, someday you will hate it with everything in your soul. That thing you're holding on to today that you said, I can't let go of this. Someday it's going to let go of you and leave you lonely. And you'll not have it and you'll not have God either. You're playing a game that you can't afford to lose today. But I want to tell you, you'll lose it every time. The mercy of God's here today.